0: In a world of chaotic noise, the podcast Keep Walking With Me searches for potential solutions towards the best version of ourselves. One likes to make questions, the other loves to find answers. Nuno and João are partners from The Walking Mentorship, and they bring the inside look in the life of the people they walk with.
1: Hi Dan. Welcome to Keep Walking With Me, our podcast from Walking Mentorship.
0: It's wonderful to be here.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: No, it's our pleasure. Uh, Let me, first of all, ask you to tell us who is Dan Robin in a nutshell. Uh,
2: I would say that I am a writer, I'm an editor, I'm a walker, and I'm a paddler. And my interests are merge and fuse and and weave together and the working with words and walking and experiencing the water is how I choose to live in the world and and navigate and understand the world and share stories that I think and hope will resonate with other people.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, we we actually got uh, to know you through your book Born to Walk, which is quite a Quite a, a statement on walking.
2: Uh, yeah, I, I mean,
1: I, I guess when I, when I
2: started to find my my voice in this in this area, it, it all revolved around walking. And to me, walking is is not only uh, a powerful and often neglected way of engaging with the world, but it's a wonderful wonderful metaphor for the the sense of progress and possibility that that we have to. To make small repairs, to fix things, to to reconnect with natural and human ecosystems, and um, that all all kind of gelled together and and came together in 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 that book.
1: Yeah. Well, that's really that's really an inspiring thought. Um, Can you can you tell us uh, if you remember or if it's uh, a clear. Uh, thought in your mind, when did walking become important to you or when did you realize it was important in your life and why?
2: Good, very good question. I mean, I think uh, like so many people walking was, was always a part of my life. Um, my family uh, was, was quite active and, and from a young age my parents uh, took my my two brothers and I walking not only in beautiful natural places, uh, but in Toronto in the city in which I, I, I was born and raised and we, we saw walking, uh, I saw walking from childhood onward as not only a, a type of transportation, but a form of recreation as a way to, to slow down, as a way to, to, to talk to, to to one another, as a way to, you know, the the, the slow living movement wasn't, uh, you know, sort of termed a movement at that point, but my parents who sort of came of age in the 60s saw that, that you know rejecting some of the artifices of modern society w- w- would instill important values in their children and 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 that certainly stuck so walking was was always there but as i became a journalist as, as i as i became a writer as i became an editor as i as i searched for and and discovered my literary literary voice that's when 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 walking really took over and as i myself was concerned about and criticizing and rejecting some of the um, outcrops of, of contemporary capitalism, of modern technology. I saw walking in a sense as a, as a form of resistance, as, as a way to reject and suggest or, 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 or provide alternatives to some of the destructive ways in which we engage with the planet and other people. and. That that book, Born to Walk, it, that's that's kind of the ethos that I, I, I attempted to tap into. Um, and as a journalist uh, who not only shares his own voice but minds the, the voices and stories of others, I searched for and found people whose whose lives, whose work, whose world revolved around one. Um, positive aspect, one holistic health aspect of walking, whether um, it was uh, a form of physical health or, or, or mental health or economic health, spiritual, social, etc. So that book is really an attempt to to look at people who see the world through the lens of walking and to bring together their stories so the cumulative whole shows how, how poor, powerful or uh, how transformative the act of walking can be.
0: Dan, thank you so much. Is there any walk that shaped your life, and I'm sure there is one there, <laughs> or more than one. Can you tell us a little bit, um, you know, a, a little bit more about that walk? Maybe one that you can pick up that really, really helped you to shape your life.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, this, it, it, it came, it happened about seven, eight, six or seven years ago. Uh, I should remember when. And it's kind of a narrative fine of my book and the, the central character um, was a walk I joined, led by uh, an indigenous surgeon from Eastern Canada, a man named Dr. Stanley Vallant. And uh, Dr. Vallant is, a, is a, uh, a, a licensed practicing surgeon in contemporary Western medicine. He goes into hospitals, he works in operating rooms, he, he fixes people with a scalpel and, and, and sutures. But um, he is also an indigenous um, spiritual man. And he uh, had a, a vision while doing the Camino pilgrimage in Spain. Uh, he, he got an infection. He had a fever. He was sick, and he, he had this vision where he saw himself walking in the woods of his native Quebec, which is a province in Canada where he's from, walking with indigenous youth and indigenous elders uh, as a, a sort of a, a on a series of healing journeys. So after this vision, he came back to Canada, and he started a series of of long walks, uh, 200, 300, 400 kilometers between indigenous communities uh, throughout Eastern Canada with groups of up to five, six dozen people joining him. Um, so when the ideas that led to my book were kind of bouncing around in my brain, I managed to get uh, Stanley, uh, Dr. Volant on the phone. And and learned about what he was doing, why he was doing it, um, and he invited me to join uh, one of his walks. So I ended up joining a, a winter walk, which was about I think 240 kilometers. We did over three weeks between a pair of communities, um, Indigenous communities in Quebec, and uh, I had never done anything like that before. I've I've walked a lot. I've I've camped a lot. Uh, I've spent, uh, as a Canadian, a, a fair bit of time outside skiing uh, and playing hockey in, in the wintertime. But I've never spent three weeks outside moving from point to point in the wintertime with, with a group of people, with with five dozen people. And we had sleds pulling our gear. We would set up camp each night in these canvas prospector tents, get some wood. There were small wood stoves inside for heat. We would all work together to set up camp, to take down camp. Uh, and and talk to one another during the downtime. And uh, although everybody in this in this walk, um, their first language was either French, which uh, is one of the two official languages of Canada, and one that sadly I don't speak very well, or uh, Atikamek, which is uh, the indigenous group that a lot of people on this walk were from. So people spoke predominantly French or Atikamek. It wasn't really very much English, which is my language, but my my job there as a journalist and a storyteller was to talk to everybody, to understand who they were, to find out what motivated in them. So I had to learn how to engage with them and, and to communicate with them. And over the course of three weeks, I, I went from feeling like an outsider to, to being worried that it would be a challenging, not physically, but mentally and emotionally to go through this process but I really developed this incredible feeling of community and connection to everybody, which I think was reciprocated. And along the way, um, I learned not only from Stanley, but from the other people on this walk that, you know, it, it, it's it's a bit of a cliche, uh, as many things associated with walking are, but it's imminently true that uh, a long journey is daunting any sort of, of significant change in your life can be daunting, but you if you approach it one step at a time as, as, as an incremental change, as a series of steps, you can get from here to there. You can deal with the trauma or addiction or challenges in your life, just the same way as you can get from this place to that place, 250 kilometers in the winter time, you're not going to do it in a day. It's not going to be easy, but if you approach it one step at a time and deal with each challenge as it arises, you can get there. And over the course of this walk, these ideas, which uh, were largely abstract and philosophical in, in my, in my mind, more theoretical became very real. And I saw firsthand how much is possible if you approach things with this integrated, uh, holistic mindset.
3: Wow. Yeah.
1: Well, that's really, really, really inspiring. Uh, and it's uh, actually matches our experience, both that we can communicate with people from all over the world. And it's amazing when you do Caminos or you, you meet these people on the walk, you don't speak the same language, but somehow we manage to communicate enough to, to get along and as we are all um, I would say sharing the same objective, it's very easy usually, it doesn't take a lot of effort. But, um, but you, were, you were talking about the, this experience really so interesting that you were walking with um, indigenous people, people uh, we know going through difficulties, uh, social difficulties, and I would, I would um, ask you if you see or how do you see walking as a, a driver of social peace, of social connection, and um, maybe even a breaker of barriers.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a there's a proverb from an American southwestern indigenous group. You know, you'll never know a man until you walk a mile in, in his moccasins, or or something <laughs> like that. And I think, again, verges design like cliche, but infinitely true that until you understand what somebody's life is like, what somebody is experiencing the, the, the ability to relate to them and, and, and to see things from their perspective is it's, it's, it's difficult. Um, you know, it, you can never truly immerse, you know, live in somebody else's shoes, but if you spend an hour, a day, a week, a month walking with them, you will have a much clearer picture of who they are and what their life is like than if you don't have that opportunity. So I think it's important. I mean, we live in an era of, uh, Division. We live in an era uh, uh, of polarized politics, and despite the ability of technology, which is a very useful tool, we wouldn't be talking otherwise. Despite the ability of technology to connect us, it can often divide us, and it's often, you know, because of the way it 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 flows down from from giant multinational companies. A lot of it is is is, is monetized, and it's 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 predicated on selling us things that we don't necessarily need because that's, that's, it's, it's, it's lifeblood. It's this commercial system. So walking or any form of, uh, you know, visceral temporal, uh, connection to somebody else helps us truly see one another as people and the natural world. And, you know, although we live in an urban society, a lot of 80% of the planet does, and we live inside boxes and we drive cars and fly on airplanes without those trees and that water and that air outside we're not going to live much longer on this planet so walking not only helps us connect to other people but to these vital um, natural systems which we neglect and, and 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 damage at our own peril
0: dan thank you so much you know you're we've been talking about walking and uh, i think this is the right time usually in our podcast that we we ask for a first music, and uh, my my guess for you is, is there any music you would like to share with us, maybe related with walking, and and why?
2: <laughs> yeah, well, there's so, so many songs have, have walking imagery and walking metaphors, walking lyrics, and, 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 and walk or walking in the title. I, I had a, a playlist of about two dozen songs, uh, you know, in, in the lead-up to my book that uh, sort of took me to its its release. But one of the seminal songs, is, is called One Day I'll Walk. Uh, it's by a Canadian artist named Bruce Coburn, and it's it's about sort of I, I think like a lot of the things we've been talking about, it it's searching for 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 peace and, and wholeness and balance. Uh, that's in my mind what what the narrator or protagonist of the song is is moving towards. But the version I like, even though Bruce Coburn is is a well known and and, and um, very talented Canadian singer songwriter is a version of that song covered by a Canadian artist named Katie Lang, who has one of the most mag- magnificent voices on the planet. So I would say One Day I'll Walk, but not the original version, the, the Katie Lang cover version is, is, is one of my favorite songs.
0: So One Day I Walk, let's listen to it. journalist and a storyteller because by now we already understood that uh, there is a a storyteller running in your veins. Um, Is there a particular story that maybe you want to tell us after, you know, we've been already talking a little bit about walking, a little bit about the impact experience um, that maybe, you know, shortly as a storyteller you you can inspire us today?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's so many, so many of the stories that are that are part of my book. I, I, I found I- incredibly inspiring, and 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 the people I spent time with did such ambitious, uh, lofty journeys, which which embodied so many things. I mean, I spent a day with uh, Rory Stewart, who's a, a member of Parliament in the UK, um, but prior to coming back home and entering politics. In, in the winter of um, 2002, he walked across uh, about half of Afghanistan by himself, a, a, a British man, right after September 11th, when Afghanistan was a really dangerous place. And his, his journey, uh, you know, showed him just, again, that ability of, of walking to, to, to be a connecting force. He he would show up, you know, walking through storms and deep snow and, and knock on the door, of of a, of a mosque or a walled community, and it, you know, it, it, people would would take him in and, and take care of him, even though he was seen as an interloper, as a potential spy, as a strange British man showing up in the middle of the night in the middle of winter time. So there's dramatic stories like that. Uh, I spent uh, a, a few days in um, in Philadelphia in in the state of Pennsylvania, where in in a really a uh, high crime neighborhood. Um, uh, I think the the neighborhood is about two square miles, and it averaged about thirty five, thirty six murders a year. The police force turned to um, to police officers walking in foot patrol as a way to address uh, to address um, killings and and violent crime. And it wasn't to have police out there to to intervene and to stop crime. It was to have police officers get to know people in this community. And have people get to know police officers, and when you engage with and interact with one another on foot, at, at at you know at four kilometers an hour at this walking pace, you see one another as human beings, and you start to understand people at this really really basic level. Instead of police officers showing up in in, in cars in the middle of a stressful situation and 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 dealing with with trauma in, in, in that way, but beyond what i what I wanted to get to is, so there were dramatic, uh, you know, really, really intense kind of, um, narratives like that that I tapped into. But one of my, the favorite experiences that I had, uh, reporting that book was, was spending um, some time in Glasgow, Scotland, which is a city which has its share of difficulties, um, poverty, violence, substance abuse, um, ill health. I think a lot of the health indicators in Glasgow put people there, um, way beyond kind of the health measures for, for people throughout Western Europe and the UK. And one of the ways that public authorities, public health authorities in Glasgow are trying to, to help make the city healthier is by having these free, um, walking groups. So I joined. A walking group organized by a local hospital one evening and went for a walk with eight or 10 or 12 local people who, for various reasons, whether dealing with um, uh, psychological issues or just trying to get physically healthier or to address the isolation and loneliness in their lives, wanted to join these groups. And just walking in a a gray, rainy night with a bunch of strangers in an ordinary part of the city was such a wonderful experience. And by the end of that walk, I had been feeling kind of down and tired. And I'd been traveling for a few weeks. And I missed my family. And I was kind of at a low ebb of some of my travels. And that experience really buoyed me. And it showed me that even just a couple hours walking around a city with a group of strangers, can 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 do so many positive things. Wow!
1: Yeah. Well, that really connects to your uh, your sentence in your book that you say that walking is um, is a path to a better world. And uh, I really do um, relate to that. I think it's. I mean, and and this is a perfect example. Such a, a simple uh, situation and the benefits that you that were probably not even the target of such. Uh, Initiatives, but you still benefited from them. So that's really really inspiring Well, but now we realize that you're not only walking but uh, you're paddling (laughs) So uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? So it's um, the the similarities and differences and uh, what drives you there?
2: Yeah, I discovered um, stand-up paddleboarding about four years ago and uh, had started to see people Doing it around and it you know it seemed seemed kind of interesting. I, I, my wife made fun of it, but I, I said I'd give it a try, and instantly it it, it felt amazing. And uh, it it it's like walking, but you're 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 on water. And um, uh, you know although there's all sorts of gear and techniques and different types of boards and different types of paddling and different types of of water, whether it's a dynamic ocean, a flat water river, a lake. Uh, at, it, at its core, you're basically standing on a on a board or a piece of wood and using another board or another piece of wood to propel yourself. And to me, walking, to me, paddle boarding is, is essentially uh, a way to connect with water and aquatic ecosystems in a really intimate way. And much as we've um, ignored or come inside and, and gotten away from the natural world, we've also turned our backs on water. And like walking, water is an essential part of, of who we are. I mean, we're, we're born floating in, in utero in liquid. Um, we are co- comprised largely of water. Our world is two thirds water. Our communities are located where they are because we got there on water. We need water to drink, to irrigate our crops. Uh, it's it's so important for so many reasons, yet we take it for granted. Um, we are dealing with droughts. We're dealing with polluted waters. We're dealing with the, 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 the monetization and the, and the sale of water, uh, diversion of water for mining and, and, and oil development and those sorts of things. So as much as I, I just, I love the, the personal feeling of of being balanced on a board and negotiating waves or rapids or, or just flat water. And when you get into sort of a, a, a metronomic um, sequence of, of paddling, uh, it, it, it's very meditative and it, it almost becomes like a, a, a mantra and you can really lose yourself and your thoughts when you're paddling. But beyond that kind of physical or, 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 or philosophical or psychological connection to paddling, it's about understanding the, the world of water and paying more attention to it and, and bringing it back to the forefront of, of our lives and thoughts. So that's what a lot of my paddling and and, and, and writing about um, paddleboarding has, has led me to.
0: It's funny that you mentioned Rapids. I would like to ask you something about Rapids because, you know, at The Walking Mentorship, we use um, walking and nature to support the, the, the mentoring process in, in our programs. But uh, we found that you mentioned on your website something like, "My office overlooks gorgeous set of rapids in Ottawa's Rideau River." Um, so how much in and actually in what ways, do you believe these settings, I mean, these rapids, for instance, they actually work in your life if, if there is a connection? Can you share it with us?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I, I, looked, I looked at those rapids for two or three years, and, and every. Spring here in Ottawa, when the snow melts, uh, the river freezes in the winter. Then the ice melts, and then all of the snow surrounding the drainage basin melts, and the the river goes from a, a frozen sheet of ice to roaring, roaring rapids with high water. So I, I watched this pattern for a couple of springs. I thought, you know, that, this is beautiful, but it's way too dangerous and, and and scary and big and loud. But after a couple of years, I thought, no, I'm I'm, I'm ready to to hop on my board and and, and paddle through there. And it was amazing. And it's it's, it's very, um, I, I think sort of dynamic natural uh, features like that, uh, whenever I'm, I'm in ocean wave surfing or on rapids on my board, I'm a little bit scared and intimidated. And that's that's very humbling. And that provides kind of the the perspective and balance and shows me that I am just this small speck in this big powerful world. And that that you know, uh, uh, although it, it it's in a sense d- diminutizes you, it's also very empowering because it gives you perspective to understand who you are, and w- you know, a, as one of seven billion, what your what your real role and purpose is. And and you can find that same, um, I think, perspective in, in any natural space, whether it's it's a trail in the woods, uh, a lake, uh, even a, a bit of green space in a city. I mean it's 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 watching birds outside your window, it's it's going on a hike. It's it's all of those things. So I, I think having access to and spending time in those natural places is certainly essential for me and I, I think obviously for, for so many people as well.
1: Well thank you so much. You definitely persuaded me to start paddleboarding. I will try it for sure. I've been thinking about it for a while, <laughs> but I'm gonna try it for sure. Uh, you gave me one
2: of the most amazing things about it is I mean you're on a board, you have a leash, you're attached to the board. The worst thing that can happen is you fall in and then you're in the water for a while and then you climb back on. The, the risk is, as long as you have proper safety gear and, and know where you are and what you're doing and, and stay within your limits, it's a very easy way to immerse yourself in an environment that we often don't spend time in. And there's this idea that you know this is dangerous, you need to stay away from it. Uh, so it's kind of legislation as opposed to education and we have rivers and lakes and oceans and waterways in in, in all of our cities and all of our towns, but we often don't spend time on them or in them because they're dangerous or scary or polluted or cold. When in fact, on a board or other forms of of waterborne travel, you can be on them and in them. And then you develop this more intimate connection to them, which could lead to a more of a feeling of stewardship and protection and, and, and conservation. So rather than fear the ocean or the river get to know it, get to spend time on it and in a safe way. And that's when I think you're going to want to uh, protect it and love it and care for it and see that it remains a healthy place.
0: I, I love the description. Actually, yeah. I was thinking sounds like life and the leash, maybe some kind of a purpose to keep you, you know, from going away from your board.
1: <laughs> but I, I totally agree. I think um, this fear that we've actually, it's not the fear because as you mentioned, fear is healthy. We, it serves to protect us, but the fact that we do, do not accept that we should face our fear to a degree that is reasonable and it's, um, you had to prepare yourself to do the rapid. you, you could not do it like uh, just jump there. So, but if you measure the, the, the amount of danger you put yourself into and if you learn to cope with your fear and not see nature as something outside of us that, that's dangerous, but actually something we're part of which involves danger but we are probably the most dangerous of all so if we learn to deal with that it's probably much much uh, easier to take care of our environment and i totally uh, agree with you that it's the best way to get people and especially children to respect environment and to do their best not from a, a high standing point saying um, amazing things about environment but actually interacting with it and and connecting with it and and being part of the environment and and realizing by that way that It's it's all about us. It's um, even if you don't care for anyone else you should care at least for yourself and I believe you should care for others obviously But uh, if you just look at yourself and you see you're part of that system, then you cannot be uh, irresponsible or um, Not care for your environment, but thank you so much for this Inspiration. Well, and yeah. now it's time. Oh, sorry, go the, ahead.
2: The, the, obviously, the, the the best way to, to develop a connection to something is to, is to understand it, to, to, to know it, is to love it, is mm-hmm. to want to respect it. And 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 whether that's surfing a giant wave off the coast of Portugal or g- going for a walk, you know, a five-kilometer walk, you might, some people might think, I can't manage that distance, I'll, I'll never make it. Mm-hmm. And, and you try. And with the right preparation, with the right teaching and, and mentorship and support, I, I'm, I'm lucky that I've had. Many great instructors who who've taught me how to paddle and, and paddle safely and, and understand my limits, so it within the right context, you can do anything you just need to approach mm-hmm. it in an incremental you know learned way and mm-hmm. and there's nothing you can't do as long as you approach it in, in that in that wide way
1: at least you can move in the right direction exactly even if you <laughs> even if you take a while to reach your destiny well and now I would uh, uh set the challenge for another music what uh what would you suggest us?
2: Yeah, my second song—it's uh, a bit harder edge than the first. It's—it's uh, it's called "Walk with Me." It's by uh, a Canadian and, and internationally really well-known rock musician named Neil Young, and it's—it's—it's it, it's, it's got loud, crunchy electric guitar, and it's—it's it's really just a, a call um, by the by the artist, by the protagonist in this song, to join him on a journey from the very first. Uh, chord and and the very first lyric which which simply says walk with me.
0: Well, sounds like we're going to ride the rapids with uh, Neil Young. Let's do it!
1: So this is a um, kind of a trick question. Uh, if you had no constraints at all, which adventure would you embark today?
0: <laughs> if you go, if you could go on a plane,
2: <laughs> you know what? Uh, that's a very good question. Um, uh, for for some of the reasons we've been talking about, uh, I, I'm really obsessed with with surfing right now. Uh, it's something that I've I've come to later in my in life in my mid-40s. Uh, I grew up in, in in the middle of the continent, nowhere near the ocean. Uh, so it's a steep learning curve. Um, so I love I love surfing. And I guess getting on a plane and going to some tropical island with great waves and warm water would be nice, but I also like 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 simple things. And and I I, I always like getting places under my own steam. And an idea that really appeals to me, although I don't have the the time or the gear or the capability right now, I'd love to literally walk out my door with my inflatable paddleboard on my back, walk to the Rideau River, inflate my board, paddle to the Ottawa River, paddle along that river to the St. Lawrence River, paddle along that river to the Atlantic Ocean. And surf there, and that journey would take uh, take a month or two, perhaps. <laughs> it, it's a couple thousand kilometers, but I, I I love the idea of 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 leaving your home under your own steam and getting somewhere in that slow, simple way. And 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 I would love to do a journey like that, where I, I walk up my door and end up months later in a completely different part of the world, just traveling under my own uh, my arms and legs at this point.
0: Wow, it's it's really amazing because I, I I'm listening to you, then I'm thinking that just you know a few minutes ago you mentioned about the Camino de Santiago from one of the stories that you mentioned, and and quite often during these modern days people believe that they go you know to a certain point in Spain or France, and then they start their Camino de Santiago and actually um, the real Camino de Santiago that we know for almost a thousand years starts at your door actually that's the real route you 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 open the door you go to Santiago and then you come back home and that's actually the route and I was listening to you and thinking that really reminds me of a, a water pilgrim I don't know how to call it but that's how I that's how I saw it um, it's, and, it's I,
2: a couple of years ago I was, I was being interviewed uh, about walking and and somebody asked uh, it was a group session where multiple people were asking questions, and somebody asked, what's your favorite walk? And, and I said, my favorite walk is, is from where I am to, to where I need to go, and wherever I have to be. <laughs> I, I, I love uh, just finding a route, picking a route, and, and making that journey. And it just so happened that at the end of that interview, I was in I was in Toronto, which is where I'm from, but I haven't lived there for 20 years, in a part of the city I wasn't really familiar with, and I was heading to a friend's house that evening, and I left this, this uh, office studio and walked for two or three hours, uh, a route I had never taken to get to my friend's house. And it was a really beautiful walk where, in which I saw uh, and experienced things I never had in the city that I'm from. And so I just had the idea in my head that my favorite walk is it just happens to be where I need to go. But then two hours later, I I, I lived that. So, yeah, I, I I love that idea of of you know of, of traversing an ordinary landscape and just finding what you find along the way. Um, it reminds me of of um, one of the people in my book is a, is a guy named Matt Green um, who walked across the United States um, and subsequent to that started a project where he's walking every block of every street in New York City. But when he was planning his walk across the U.S. People kept saying, oh, you need to go here. You need to go there. You need to stop here. You need to see that. And as a rejection of, of a prescribed route and anticipating certain landmarks and stops along the way, he just said, I'm starting here and I'm ending there and I'm just going to figure out along the way. And that allowed him to truly really experience the journey and experience things that he would not have seen had he mapped out uh, a, a planned route. So that serendipity is one of the beautiful things. Walking. It's just I'm going from here to there, and we'll figure it out along the
0: way. Then tell us how do you see the world ten years from now? So let's time travel to 2030. What do you see there?
2: I'm I'm an optimist, and, and, and I would say that despite uh, a lot of the serious challenges we're facing, including uh, obviously uh, climate change, but also the the, the global pandemic polarized politics, violence, global, uh, you know, sort of military dictatorships. Um, I, I think we we have the capacity as, as a society, as a series of societies to, to, to grow and learn and change. And I think that, you know, we're still going to be mired in, in a lot of, uh, worrisome challenging times, but you know, we, we're, we're, perhaps beginning to round the corner and, and we might see that the destination is a little bit more visible and I, I, I'm, I'm seeing things, um, you know, in, in, in the energy sector in, in which, um, insurance companies and energy companies are starting to, to pull back on, on, on destructive oil developments because it's no longer viable or sustainable, either environmentally or financially. Um, we're seeing things, uh, in the context of, of, of COVID-19 uh, a, a, a lot here in North America and Europe as well, in which cities are taking space away from cars on streets and and making safe space for pedestrians and cyclists and restaurants and patios. Um, and these changes in cities happen really quickly despite decades of resistance, uh, you know in in car centric cultures to any sorts of changes like that. So if we can do these things really quickly and and they work, perhaps some of them will stick. And in 10 years, uh, uh, you know, know, we won't be out of the woods yet, so to speak. But perhaps we will have another decade of evidence that we can successfully develop um, safe, clean forms of energy. We can transform uh, the the spaces in our cities in which 80 percent of the planet lives into more sustainable social spaces um, that some of the, the 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 creeping reach of of giant tech companies and their invasion of privacy and their monetization of of, of our data they'll be pushed back against that so uh, you know uh, we have to remain wary and and vigilant and it's it's certainly going to be an uphill struggle and, 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 and fight for years and years and years. I'm, I'm optimistic and hopeful that in 10 years we're going to see some of the benefits of, of, of these types of resistance and some of the positive possibilities that will be a little bit closer than they are now, perhaps.
1: I, I'm with you on that. <laughs> so we, we, um, and uh, as you said before, uh, even if it seems that walking is slow, if you keep moving in the right direction, you definitely do a lot of uh, change. Uh, So if you look at change in what would you like to focus your energy in the coming time? Uh, in what would you focus your energy your action into Improving the world even if it's just a little bit. What would be your choice?
2: Yeah, I mean and I think one of the one of the ways in which we see the the possibilities of, of change through through walking and other forms of movement is 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 that idea of a shifting perspective, and when you when you're when you're stationary and static, it's easier to see things in one way. But when you're moving, when you're walking, your senses are bombarded by all sorts of dynamic stimuli. And as psychologists and researchers have kind of uh, theorized and 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 studied, it's the interaction of this uh, dynamic shifting perspective with the thoughts and ideas already inside your brain that leads to creative leaps and, and, and new new ways of seeing and new ways of understanding. So I think that sort of, of movement is key and it's certainly going to be a lot, a big part of what I'm doing going forward. Um, I hate to keep bringing it back to paddling, <laughs> but I, that's where a lot of my energy is going these days and a, a lot of my writing and uh, I have trips uh, and reporting projects and a book in mind and uh, hopefully it, it, you know, some of these bigger Lofty goals will come to fruition, um, and uh, you know, my sort of my my work uh, as as a, a paddle writer will lead me <laughs> to a few places over the next ten years. And even if none of the stories pan out or none of the bigger projects pan out, I will have the luxury and benefit of spending as much time as possible on the water, which is a very calming, grounding, uh, peaceful, balanced place for me to be. And uh, you know, uh, even in the early days of, of, of the lockdown, uh, back in March, I was out on the river as much as possible. And it felt like such an escape and such a journey. And I would come back home and come back to the city and come back to the reality after an hour or two or three or four, and felt like I'd gone on this tremendous journey and had this newfound sense of energy and, and peace and motivation. So I, I, I want to and need to keep doing that in the, in the months and years ahead.
1: I hope you do, because for sure it will be, uh, it will be a, good, a good movement, for sure. Uh, so do you want to share another music with us?
2: Yeah, my, th- my third song isn't um, as uh, directly related to walking as, as the first two, I would say. Um, it's a song called Canaan um, by a group called Black Dub, which is... Uh, uh, led by uh, another Canadian artist named Daniel Lanois, who's most known as a as a producer for producing uh, big albums by U two and, and and Bob Dylan and and, and bands such as that. Um, and this song, it's really uh, to me, it's it's about a journey through a cityscape on foot, and all of the sights and sounds and people that the narrator sees and engages with. And it's 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 a, it's a journey uh, in the song Canaan towards. Uh, a, 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 sort of a, a, a heavenly place and, and, and it's about connection and oneness with all of the people in the city and the society in which, in which he's singing um, so yeah, "Canon" by Black Dub would be my third, my third musical selection
1: Great, let's listen to it
4: That mama used to say Yeah, I the about wife saying How far am I?
0: Well, Daniel, thank you so much for this uh, incredible talk we had with you. I mean, I'm, I'm still digesting some of the stories that you share with us. I mean, they are so inspiring. They really uh, help us to see in many different directions and life becomes so much more interesting. We do have one last challenge uh, for you. And um, this is a classic. So this is a question we want to repeat in every, uh, every podcast. And uh, I think you will understand why, because this might be useful for, uh, for some people in the future. <laughs> so um, we're gonna give you kind of a time capsule and uh, we would like you to put inside whatever you want, but just imagine that uh, after you, you close your message we're going to shoot this into the universe. So we never know. Maybe a year from now, maybe 1,000 years from now, someone is going to open that time capsule, um, you know, by you, done by you. And what they will find inside this time capsule this time is now for you to fill it in, whatever you want.
2: That's a really good question. Um, I think the three songs I selected would. would, would... Share the message and, and continue the journey very nicely. So um, uh, you know that that music I, I would I would include that. I would include uh, some sort of footwear, a, a boot or a, a sandal or a flip flop, um, to signify the importance of, of putting something on your feet or, or, or walking barefoot. I guess and getting out there and moving and uh, and maybe a paddle. Maybe uh, you know, although paddleboard paddles are very large maybe a miniaturized version of one, just to show the importance of, of, of being on the water and engaging with the world in that way. Wow.
1: Great.
0: Then wow. thank you so much for being with us today. And um, we really hope that um, some of the images that you share with us, especially the ones related with the future, step by step, they become a reality for all of us. Thank, thank you both
2: very much, I, I, I really enjoyed our chat and uh, I, I love the work you're doing and I wish you the, the best of continued success with this podcast and, and your walking mentorship program as a whole. Thank,
1: thank you, you so much. You, too. you yes, too. Best successes and thank you so much Dan and let's keep walking.
0: Let's keep walking. Indeed. <laughs> step by step we walk together towards the best version of ourselves. For more information about our mentoring programs, visit our website, walkingmentorship.com. Keep Walking With Me. It is a podcast inspired by the Walking Mentorship Experience.